All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're continuing our classes on Ein Yaakov, the ethical moral teachings of the Talmud. Today we begin a new chapter, chapter 6, Perik Vav of Masechet Sanhedrin, which begins on Daf Mem Beis 42a, 42b. Um, <clears throat> we jump right into a discussion where the, the, the theme of this chapter is what happens after a person is condemned to death. If he is judged and found guilty and deserving of the capital punishment, what are the processes, all the various forms of capital punishment, and so on. <clears throat> so one of the discussions that we're, 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 inter- we're jumping into is what happens, where, where, who, who pays for all the various materials that are needed to carry out capital punishment. In other words, when somebody is beheaded, whose sword is used? Who, you know, is it a private sword? Is it the, the victim's sword? Is it, do we have like public swords that are available for this purpose? We need to, based in sword, like we need to have, it has to be all sketched out. What's the plan? Um, so mostly it's with public funds because, and the rationale is we would never tell somebody, bring your own sword so that we can kill you. That's, that's pushing it. Um, it's just not proper. And so, continuation of that, we pick up the story here, and Yaakov jumps in on this point. Um, somebody, when a person is going out to be executed, so the people that are accompanying him and, and escorting him to his, to his destination, they... Uh, they make him drink a grain of frankincense, a spice, which is mixed in a cup of wine. So basically he has a cup of wine with a, with a bit of frankincense in it. What was the point of that? It's not the, you know, the, 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 the prototypical final meal you get to ask for whatever you want to have to eat. It's not like that. The idea was, in order to dull his senses, make your head spin a little bit. So you're not really, really fully, I mean, you know what's happening to you, but you're not like fully, fully present and fully, fully aware, and um, in doing so, the kind—it's a kindness because if you're fully aware, naturally you would cling to life, you would fight for every last breath, and basically you would just prolong your agony. You're, you're, you're dead. It's not—you're not—you know—you're not surviving this. And so, in an effort to make it quick and painless, they would give him this drink, and it should just when it when the moment comes, it's over. Shenemar. The source for that, or the basis for that is the verse in the book of Proverbs, the book of Mishlei, which says, give intoxicating drink to he who is lost and wine to the embittered souls. It's a very interesting verse. We could probably spend an hour just dissecting this verse, but bottom line is, for our purposes here, this is the basis for giving uh, the intoxicating drink for, um, for someone who is in pain. And so somebody here who's led, being led to his death um, should also be given a glass of wine. Betanya, we learned in Abraisa, Nashim Yikardesh Yerushalayim, prominent women of Jerusalem, they would be the ones to donate the frankincense and the wine, and they would bring it to the court for whenever it was needed. Um, so then the question is, if if there was a case where if for every reason Prominent women of Jerusalem did not donate. You're short, and you have to. Now you have an execution to carry out now. So now you have to buy it. So Michelle, me, 
whose money was used to purchase these items. Um, so the Gemara says, um, It's certainly reasonable that it should be public funds because um, it says that you should give, so meaning that you give what's yours. And if the court is the one giving, then it's coming from public funds, from not the court's money, but you know, communal funds. Okay, now we're going to jump ahead to the next page, Mem Gimel Amun Base. So again, continuing along the theme of the procedures of what happens when a person is executed. So the Gemara now says that a person, before they're, before they're executed, they're encouraged to repent and confess their sins. Vidui, the idea of confession before you die. Which is, by the way, even when you die naturally, you're encouraged to confess your sins and, uh, and, and die with a clean conscience. Having, having repented and done teshuva and confession for what you've, any evil you may have done. So especially when a person is uh, being executed for, for very heinous crimes, we encourage him to, to confess. Amr Rabbi Shobhan Levi, so commenting on that, Rabbi Shobhan Levi says, Kol Whoever slaughters his evil inclination, very interesting expression, we'll explore that in a second, and confesses the sins that he committed on the account of the evil inclination, due to the evil inclination, Mala Allah Hakasuv Torah considers it Kiilu Kibdai Lakadesh Baruchu Bishnayalami. It's as if he honored Hashem in both worlds. This world and the world to come. It is written, Zeveyah Taida Yechabdanani. He who slaughters the sacrifice of confession honors me. And the word Yechabdanani honors me is written with an extra nun. And that implies a repetition of the honor. And so the Gemara says, what's the repetition of the honor? How do you honor Hashem twice? One honor in this world as a body and a soul. It's one form of honoring as a human being. And another form in the world to come as a, as a disembodied soul. Um, and continuing along the theme, another teaching of Rabbi Shua ben Levi. Amr Rabbi Shua ben Levi, he said, During the time when the temple stood, if a person would bring an Ola offering, so he would receive the, the credit, the reward for having brought an Ola offering. If he would bring a Mincha offering, he would have the reward, the credit of having brought a Mincha offering. So basically, it's very simple. Whatever you do is what you get uh, credited for. Straightforward. However, now, someone who is feeling lowly, He's, he's in his own, in his own uh, self-assessment or self-evaluation. Considers himself to be lowly. considers him as if he brought all the types of offering at once. So in the times of the Beit Hamikdash, you bring one offering. That's you know that's what you did. You brought an Ola, wonderful. But if you consider yourself lowly and you humble yourself, it's as if you brought all the offerings. Shenemar verse says the sacrifices, plural, sacrifices of Hashem are a broken spirit. And so here you see the indication of the broken spirit, a person considering themselves to be lowly, is considered to be sacrifices in the plural. Not only that, 
Such a person, his, his prayers will never be rejected by Hashem. Shenemar says in the verse, Lev nishbar venidka likim leisivza. A broken and crushed heart will not be despised by Hashem. And so really this is the, the core and the essence of a, a healthy relationship with Hashem. As the old saying goes, there is nothing more whole than a broken heart. A person who, who approaches Hashem out of a sense of wholeness, I, I am great and I am good and I'm doing everything right, it's, it's, you know, everybody wants to be doing the right thing. And so you have to be careful. We're not condemning somebody for wanting to do the right thing. It's, hopefully that's where our minds are. But there's a fine line between the aspiration and, and sort of out of a fear of not being in the right. You know, a person can sometimes, um, you know, a little bit overzealously consider themselves to be already good, already perfect, already righteous, and sort of ignore or poo-poo their flaws and their weaknesses because they have this anxiety about you know being the right, being in the right, and being good, which in itself is is you know more or less noble. But um, in reality, we 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 need to be aware of our brokenness and our our, our flaws and our weaknesses, our our incompleteness. And ironically and paradoxically, that's what actually brings us closer to Hashem. So the person who thinks he's arrived is actually far. The person who feels like he's just trying and working on it and, 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 and struggling to get anywhere without, without realizing it is actually closer to Hashem and closer to the truth than, than not. And really, what it means to be a Jew in a relationship with Hashem is to be trying, to be working on it. That's exactly what it means. Um, and Tanya speaks about the idea of how there's different terms used in the Torah for, for people who serve Hashem. Sometimes we find an expression called Eved Hashem, a servant of Hashem. In other places we find an expression called Oved Hashem, someone who is serving Hashem. Right? Either the noun or the verb. And he says, Eved Hashem is a reference to a tzaddik, someone who's totally righteous. Why? Because they've reached, they've reached a stage where there's a certain status quo. It's a good status quo, but they no longer struggle. That's what it means to be a tzaddik, absence of struggle, always good, always doing the right thing. So there's a certain, there's a certain static to their, to their certain you know, status quo, to their, to their existence and their relationship with Hashem. They are an Evan Hashem. They, we can say that this is the noun of servitude, service, service to Hashem. It's, a, it's just a, you know, it's set in stone, so to speak. It's a fact. For everybody else, we're all a work in progress. And so we're just trying. We're working on it. And we would be called Oivet Hashem. We are serving Hashem when we're serving Him. And hopefully that's more often than not. But the point is that the, the one who is serving Hashem has an advantage in the sense that um, there's, there's active effort being expended in order to serve Hashem to overcome the laziness or the distraction or the, or the temptation or whatever it is that he's dealing with. Um, in their daily struggles, there's, there's active effort being expended to serve Hashem, whereas the tzaddik doesn't really have that. The tzaddik doesn't really have, he doesn't need to. He doesn't need to expend active effort in serving Hashem. It's just normal status quo. It's just how it is. And so there's an advantage there. And that advantage is very much tied to 
what he's saying here, um, being brokenhearted and lowly, not depressed, not being you know in despair. There's no virtue to that. That's just uh, pure Yetzirah talk. But to to not be too proud or 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 you know, um, to not be too anxious about being right and, and good and whole. It's okay. We're a work in progress. We got a lot of we got a long way to go. It's okay. It's okay. That's how it is. You're normal. You're fine. You're good. You're good being not so perfect, not so great. It's good. You have to acknowledge that. And that's where we find Hashem in that lowliness, in that brokenheartedness. So hopefully we'll be able to take this into account and uh, not necessarily in the context of uh, your final moments before being executed for crimes that are deserving of capital punishment. But everybody should live long, happy lives and uh, keep that brokenhearted spirit going. It's the, it's the root of all good. Join us tomorrow for more of the same.